once again, friends, to another edition of Swing Thoughts. It's been a uh, great 2022. Coach Tim and myself welcome all our regulars, the Swing Thought devotees, and this is our last uh, recorded effort for this year. It's weird how many... Are we entering... Will, will 23 be our... Seventh year or eighth year? You've kept track of this. Eighth year. How is that possible? <laughs> I know. I know. It was like my sister said, who knew you'd have seven or eight years of stuff to talk about golf? Oh, I know. <clears throat> Isn't that funny? Like, uh, so there's you and I have been doing this for almost eight years. My other uh, radio partner and I have been together uh, 33 years, which is by far the longest relationship I've ever had. And you got you're a lot less trouble than any of my ex-wives. Uh, it's and you golf, still talk to each other. I do. It's golf spiritual and you do leader it for a living. Absolutely, uh, golf spiritual leader and uh, coach Tim. Proud to be sponsored by TaylorMade Golf Canada. And uh, after our guest uh, today, I uh, we got to spend a little time on the uh, TaylorMade experience that I had yesterday. You know, it's funny. I know we are we're big fans of the uh, brand, but. Not just because of the quality of the product, but, you know, we're friends with a lot of the people there. And just in general, the service that you get at the Performance Center, as I'll tell you later, Timmy, I mean, you've gone through it. It really is. We're just so grateful to have the opportunity, and we, we wholeheartedly want you to check out TaylorMadeGolf.ca. I just wish the people who were there in their 20s would stop calling Mr. O'Connor. <laughs> That's right. I wish they stopped calling me Mr. O'Connor. <laughs> All right. Let's get to uh, our first guest. Our, actually, our only guest. keep thinking I was doing the other show. Uh, this gentleman, uh, much in the spirit of a lot of the people we talk to, thinks about golf in a different way. Part of the raison d'etre of this program was to approach the game and not just about where you are positionally in your golf swing and what YouTube video you've seen, but how we think about the game differently. And this person lines up completely with that sort of uh, our tenant of the game. Kendall McWade has over 40 years of experience. Yes, I'm reading this in professional golf and is the founder of Instinctive Golf Coaching. But he's got a very interesting story. Uh, and we'll get him to talk a little bit about it. But for the first half of his golf teaching career, he thought of golf in more of a traditional way. And much like yourself and others uh, that have had experience of Fred Shoemaker and that whole different way of looking at golf, that, that changed Kendall and to the approach that he takes today in something he calls instinctive golf coaching. And uh, both Tim and I are thrilled to have Kendall with us. Hi, Kendall. How are you this morning? Um, I'm well, thank you, Howard. It's afternoon and very cold here in Scotland, so thank you for having well, me it's on. Well, it's very cold here in Toronto, my friend. <laughs> Indeed. Absolutely. So, Kendall, what drew me to you was, a key part was, the, as Howard talked about, the whole thing around kind of instinctual golf. You know, rather than, you know, thinking, as Howard also noted about being in the right position and doing this, you know, hope my body parts work in the, in the correct sequence. Why don't you take us through a little bit how you came to move away from that experience of the game and teaching it that way to being what we'll call more instinctual? Uh, well, hi, Tim. Thanks for having me on. Um, 
my own frustration, really. That was it in a nutshell. Uh, I've always been committed to the game since uh, I took it up and worked pretty hard for someone who wasn't a tour pro. But every moment I, uh, I had, I would work on my golf swing because that's what I was coached to do or taught to do. And after 20 years <laughs> of ups and downs, and there were lots of downs, the odd up, which of course, during those ups, I thought, I've found it, I've got it, um, only to lose it again. <laughs> uh, at one of my most lows, I was at American uh, golf show in Florida, and Bob Rotella was actually doing a book signing. I thought, I must get a a book signed by Bob. So I went onto the massive book stand. Everything was massive at that golf show. And beside Bob's books was a, another book with a pretty unusual title called Extraordinary Golf. And I had a quick look at it and I thought, well, that, I like that. And I'm a bit dyslexic, so I don't do reading great. You know, the book sits at the size of the bed for about three months and I haven't <laughs> got past the first chapter because I have to reread it because I didn't really understand it the first time. And anyway, by the time I plane landed in Glasgow. I'd read the entire book and I was hooked, fascinated by the whole thought of a kind of new approach to learning because I wasn't supporting or creating a learning environment. I was teaching. I was telling. I was instructing. So straight on the phone to Fred and spoke to his wife, Joe, and went out to San Francisco and spent three days that pretty much changed my whole life, albeit not in a very positive way at the beginning. It really was incredibly challenging. It, it was inspiring, um, revealing, empowering, and I came home lost because I'd had this experience that I knew I wanted to share with people and expand my, my awareness of it, but it was crunching up against 20 years of PGA training and, and my own, not just the PGA, my own endeavours to educate myself in what needs to be fixed and what needs to be right in a golf swing. And these two did not like each other. Uh, and I realised the West Coast of America was a very different place than the West Coast of Scotland. So people were leaving in their droves. It was quite good because I was throwing clubs, but not in anger. <laughs> if you know anything about Fred, Hell um, yeah. you throw clubs and... Uh, I, the thing I remember at throwing clubs was having not really been much of a club thrower. So I, I'm probably not a real golf pro if I haven't thrown enough clubs, but uh, not in anger. And we spent the first day retrieving the clubs at Fred's Extraordinary Golf School from the trees. Um, there were stuck up trees behind us and everywhere. It was, it was hilarious. But I, I, I knew and I could see and I could sense and I thought there's something in this. But it just did not translate, mainly because I had no idea what I was doing. So there was a, a good five years of exploration, um, financial challenges, headed back to see Fred three times. And then eventually I thought, I've got to find my own way. And, and that's what I've been, done, been doing for the last 20 years in a completely different direction, which has definitely not been linear and very challenging. But I feel as if I'm coming out the other end with a lot of support from a lot of amazing people and, and maybe getting a little bit more to the heart of learning of a motor skill, of a, of a, a stick and a ball game, which when you read all the things that you can read and you watch all the stuff you can watch and you, you all the information's out there, it, it seems to have 
been lost the fact that it's just a stick and a ball. You know, Kendall, you said something interesting, and I know Tim's writing down uh, questions for you furiously, but I, I wanted to just kind of check in with you because as we've been around a lot of tour, pl- I mean, a lot of PGA trained uh, teaching pros, that must have been a big well, as you say, the, the two ideas came up against each other. And for a while there, you say five years, a lot of people that had been coming to you for traditional instruction were sort of leaving you because the idea of standing there trying to find your own true swing, not to be too chivous irons on everybody, but how did you turn that around? How did people finally start to find you? And, and how did you develop the instinctive golf coaching sort of brand that you've now be, been using and, and i know there's a lot of questions in there but just pick one to answer <laughs> um yeah people left the people that knew me i think two things uh, Howard, uh, the reason i was i think reasonably busy as a coach um was probably a bit about myself i think people kind of bought into me there was there's a relationship people buy people but the, the other thing was i was telling them the kind of stuff they wanted to hear so that's what golf coaching was. Tell me what I'm doing wrong and I'll fix it. So when you start saying stuff that is against what they want to hear, there's a massive challenge to their beliefs. And if you challenge somebody's beliefs, you better watch out because, you know, very very nasty things can happen uh, as we're seeing in Ukraine and so on and so forth. So um, Everything from then on was, again, just as it had been prior, was down to my own endeavours and my own game. I thought, if I can't actually come out of this hole I've dug myself, then how can I, without seeing, seeming like, seeming to be a fraud, how can I say I can help other people when I can't help myself? Right. So everything was born out of that, just my ins- this insatiable appetite to hit golf balls, which... Despite it being minus six here, I'm just back from hitting golf balls in the <laughs> snow. I do it all the time. So I see. I, I knew we were kindred spirits. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thing, Kendall. As, Kendall, as soon as soon as we're done this interview, I'm heading off to an indoor simulator. So, yeah, there oh, see, aren't there aren't very many days that I don't have a golf club in my hand doing something with that's it. Good. That's good. So, yeah, that's that's the driving force. The driving force is my own selfish in inverted commas endeavors to master as fred says the unmasterable Mm -hmm. because i know the guy who was playing golf was not me it was like a version of me but not me now you could just tell when somebody's not listening or being slightly fraudulent or being a bit of a salesman that's what i felt i had become so kendall after 20 years of kind of be a, a traditional teacher if you will like here's what you do like you said, people came to you, uh, tell me what I'm doing wrong and tell me what I need to do. Did you struggle with your own belief system in terms of you'd had this experience with Fred Shoemaker? You'd probably done a lot of other kind of reading, whatever, and the, the, felt this pull to this in, this instinctual thing. But did you, in fact, have to fight against your own belief system that isn't there a right way to do this, that my hand must be here, my hip has to be here? I still do, Tim. Um, it's, it's, the initial battle was enormous because not only was I sending out all these strange messages to my people, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, was like, so that's why I kept going back to Fred. It was like I was with like-minded people all of a sudden, and it, it was it was good. But I went back and 
Well, unfortunately, I still was lost. I still didn't know what, what is this truly about. So, yeah, it was a massive challenge. And, uh, yeah, I, I constantly question myself, but less now, much, much less than, than I did. And, again, that's born out of my own experiences. And, and I always say that we're information rich in golf, but we're experience poor. Yeah. And um, what I mean by experience is we should be learning from experience. We learn motor skills through experience. And we learn to use forks and knives and walk and kick and catch. We, we learn all those things through experience. And um, for people who have played golf for 30 and 40 years, why are they not growing as golfers given that they've had all this experience? So my, my understanding as I've explored this more was we're actually not having the kind of experience we need to have to actually learn from it. So that's well, they're not paying attention. Because I, I had another, uh, but what you just said is so true. Because you know, we've had Fred on the show. Uh, Tim's been in the school. I've had a chance to speak to Fred on a few occasions, and you know, one of the things he told me once when we were talking, he said, "You know, son, because I, I love hitting golf balls and I love working on my game." And he said, "You know." One of the things that he recommended I do, and I took it to heart, was sometimes just go out and hit balls for the sheer pleasure that you find in hitting balls versus working on something. And it's in those moments when we can be kind of, as you know, in, in Tim's teaching, you know, you sort of awareness rich versus unaware and be concentrating on positions. Those are when you learn things of your own golf swing. Does that make sense? You know, where you where that's where you get some experience because most of us spend a lot of time trying to synthesize something somebody else told us. Yeah, I think it comes down to the the big question of attention and concentration, doesn't it? And I know you mentioned the word attention there, but if somebody says to keep your right knee flexed because it's straightening, that is attention. So we can't say that the guy is not paying attention. But unless there's a keeping your right knee flex competition coming up, I'm not sure what the value would be in it. There isn't? Well, <laughs> hopefully there isn't. So it was like, what was the, of what value was this attention? And that kept, it kept driving me down so many dead ends and dark holes. And then I came across Gabrielle Wolf and had a, a chat with her and eventually managed to get her over to the UK to, to speak, which she hadn't done, I think, for 15 years. So that was fascinating, listening to her as the attention kind of expert in the world, probably. And probably brought up, I think, I think Gabby, by the end of the few days she had with us, wished she had never, ever come over, not because of the, the speech, because of the presentation. She was magnificent, just because of the, the, I questioned that poor woman to death the day before <laughs> I had literally I, I had searched through every corner of my brain to ask everything I wanted to ask about attention and I wanted to know really about if, if, if as, as kids as babies we are learning machines then we must be paying attention and we must be going to have these channels open to have an experience that means that we learn how to use a fork and not stick, in our, uh, stick it in our eye so the baby was paying attention without any instruction, and it was paying attention to the, you know, the, the critical factors. So why were we not? What were those critical factors that we were missing? So that I was digging deep there to try and find it, and ultimately it came down to golf is a, a problem-solving endeavor. And 
trying to use a spoon and trying to walk and trying to talk, they're all problem solving. And the first thing we need to, as golfers, understand is what is the problem I'm trying to solve? And that, if I was going to put a big umbrella over everything I do, that is it. The problem we are not trying to solve is to set up in a in a manner that would be deemed as correct. That is not the problem. The problem is trying to use this tool to influence this ball in a way that you want to eventually ne negotiate all the problems and in inverted commas that the golf is going to golf course is going to provide with us. It, I, Carl Morris is uh, he's a, a friend of the show we've had on for many times, and I I've really connected with what he said is that the shot creates the swing. It's saw and another friend of ours uh, on the show, Ed Collin. It's in essence that golf is this puzzle, and we see what's in front of us. Or say maybe some water here, got an elevated green. We feel some breeze here. All this, and so it's the shot that we see in front of us that we have a sense of our how our brain works and how we're going to sort of solve that puzzle, and that the brain, in concert with the body, responds to that. Is that, in an essence, in a similar way of what you're saying? It is. Uh, I'd just like to mention uh, that this is obviously a unique show, with, and you've had some amazing guests, but you may just about to have a Husky as a guest, because my Husky is... That's okay. Door, which is open, and he's about to yeah. talk. So my, if somebody walks by time. my door here, my dog's going to start barking, too. Don't worry. Well, this, show, this show has never <laughs> stood on ceremony, trust me. And Freddie might join us as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we all have a so, dog. Yeah, that, and that is at the essence of it is is problem solving and then understanding well what sabotages problems solving, and I think paying attention to inappropriate cues mm. is the first thing. So keep your head down, straighten your left arm, finish balance, whatever it is, turn your hips, turn your shoulders. Doesn't matter what it is. Those to be are inappropriate cues, and nobody is going along to a golf lesson. I would suggest as a, an entry level player, and has the coach say, for the rest of your golfing life, here's what I'm, I want you to commit to. I want you to commit to explore using these tools in as many different ways as you can to see what they can produce and learn to use these tools in a way that can make the golf ball do ultimately things that are useful for you to be able to, as I say, play golf. That That's your commitment for the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years of life. That is not, let's get the basics right at the beginning and everything will be okay. Right. Well, it isn't okay because my basics looked sound and the ball was still going out of bounds. You know, there's so many guys on this planet that look like golfers who can't play. Mm -hmm. so it can't be that that's at the essence of being able to, you know, play this game to your potential. Do you think it would be easier because both Tim and I are, you know, we're, we're old men now and we've been playing golf a long time. And I think a lot of people who listen to our show, because we rarely talk about technical stuff, but because it... It's you and it's instinctive and how instinctive works with, you know, from the foundation of extraordinary golf. Do you think it might be easier, guys, to teach somebody from the beginning that unlike you and I, Timmy, have a lot of information already stored in our computer? Kendall, would you find it easier to teach somebody that didn't have all the preconceived notions of what a golf swing supposed to look like? Yeah, I think there's challenges for people who have this because it's not just information, Howard. It, there's in, that information 
a lot of it has come from experts in the field, well-meaning experts. That information has created your beliefs about the game. So as soon as I challenge those beliefs, we have an issue. The, 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 the real problem is they're not your beliefs. They're someone else's beliefs. They weren't my dad's beliefs when he said, keep your head down. Mm-hmm. He had been told that and he had believed it. So he then passed it on and he was hoping that I would, but unfortunately he didn't. So that's one of the things that we're, we're, we have to overcome. That's why if you and I were getting together, I know the thing you would like to do is do something more effective with the golf ball. And if I said to you, that may end up with you having a golf swing like Arnold Palmer or Jim Furyk, you would, if you've got any sense, you would say, I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah, of course. And, and I've been fortunate enough, Howard, to, as I said to Tim before, that I've worked with some pretty amazing players at the top of this game. And I've always asked them, would you give up everything you know, the information you have, to have more control over the ball? And you can imagine what the answer is. Nobody wants more information. They're not here to have more. They're they're here for what they believe that information will provide them. And that is better shots, better strikes, more distance. They're hoping information will give them that, but only experience can give them that. And it should lead us down a a problem-solving avenue that is a never-ending journey and is going to take time, effort, and commitment, but should be enjoyable and demanding and, and demanding of grit and resilience and everything else that learning a new skill in any other endeavor in life would demand. But somehow we've managed as, a, as an industry to convince people that a little tweak or information will fix everything, and it won't. It just, it just won't. You know, they need to learn the chords before they can play the tune. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're not really a coaching. You're much more like a curator of experience for somebody. I, I, you're a learning machine. Tim's a learning machine. All your listeners are learning problem-solving machines. We need to access that. Mm-hmm. Because if we don't, all we will do for the rest of our lives is gather more information. Honestly. And, and we've got enough information to fill a, a million libraries, but People are still frustrated by their lack of ability at this game, knowing deep down that it's not a representation of their potential. It's it's not. That was the thing that drove me. I knew I wasn't going to be Tiger Woods, but I knew I, would, I just wanted to be Kendall McWade, who should be better than he is, but I didn't know how to find him. That's right. You only spent yeah. 20 years looking. Maybe I didn't look long enough. Sometimes I feel like... Um, I'm like this little guy kind of railing at the man, you know, like a hippie against the corporate <laughs> government world or something that we're, we're in essence going against this big culture. But in that culture, in many ways, is, is the golf instruction industry. And my sense is, is that so much of what people come to believe is that if not just that they're broken, but I need someone to tell me what to do. And my sense is, is that what we don't do, we don't trust our own innate brilliance, as you said, our own ability to learn. And that to me is part of the issue that I think that we, we have as golfers and as people in the rest of our lives is, is to go like, you know, I'm okay. At a fundamental level, I'm okay. I have some resources. I've got some innate talent. 
and I've got some skills and some experience to draw on. But again, it's fighting against that belief system that, like I said, I don't want to give too much weight to it, but there's, we're fighting against almost like this culture that says, unless you do what the experts tell you what to do, you'll always be mediocre. Yep, absolutely. And uh, it's not a culture. <laughs> it's not a culture, but it doesn't change the fact that we all learn to do two of the most critical things in our lives, to learn to walk and to learn to talk without any information. We had no information where to position our tongues and our mouths and to produce these noises, and we had no information about the angle of our, our knees, etc., etc. And that that still resides in us. But I think almost by the nature of the beast, we are we love gathering information and knowledge, and it, it shows that we know stuff that other people don't. But I would give it all up to be able to be, do what I wanted with the golf ball. I would I would give it up today. Uh, then I wouldn't have a business because people say, well, if you don't know anything, how can you tell? I say, well, I don't know anything about how I tie my shoelaces, but I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> That's right. You never got, the, you know, one of the things is before we wrap up and I don't, I, I, we appreciate your time, but there's a thing you say here. And, and if you want more information about Kendall, instinctofgolfcoaching.co.uk. But I like this sentence here, guided exploration and effective questioning is a much more effective strategy than telling and fixing. But even though we're saying this, and even though we've done seven plus years of shows, I guarantee, and I know some guys that listen to us, that are working on their games this winter, that are working on something, that that would reject that and say, fine, yeah, that may be a more effective strategy, but tell me what to fix. Yeah, and, and, I, and I won't, <laughs> and I can't, but what I would say to everyone who's listening uh, as we bring this to a close is, um, despite all your beliefs, your, all those beliefs are harboring is the hope that that will give you more skill because that is what you're after. Everyone's after more skill, more control over the golf ball. So my advice to everyone would, over this winter, pick a shot that you would like to learn. Go and... If you want to find out some stuff, understand how the club needs to move to produce that and then start the process of trying that. Just try that. Just do it slowly, do it small, do it short and build it. And come out of next April with maybe not the finished article, but maybe the ability to make a ball do something you didn't. If it's going too high, how does it go lower? If it slices to the right, how do I make it draw to the left? Go and find that as your take that as your start point, and go and then work from there. And do it. It's not you can read all you want, you can watch everything you want, but you need to actually go and do this and experience it. And it comes down to primarily the one thing you should be paying attention to, and then allowing that to create other awarenesses. And that would be the club. What does the club need to do to hit the shot? And then pay attention to what you're doing with the club, and allow the body to facilitate that. Because technique must and always has in motor skill emerged from something. Technique emerges from something. It is not the start point. It is the result of problem solving. That's what technique is. And I have a technique, even though I don't teach technically, because it has to emerge. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to make a ball do this. So a technique has to emerge. Of course. So it's a bit of reverse engineering. Everything should be from the problem back. And if anyone could, even if, 5% of your listeners, though, I'm going to explore that. 
I'll just finish with this very, very quick comment. And it was just a young lad that was in the range a couple of weeks ago, and he asked me about something, and I said, well, why don't you just go back to trying to fade it? So he was hooking it badly, and I said, well, how would you how would you commit to that? And he said, well, I'd move, swing the club left, and I'd try and have the face open. Great. I said, do that. And so he hit some shots. I wasn't coaching. I was just hitting shots myself. And at the finish, I'm walking away, and he's hitting shots. I said, remember, John, I said, one thing you've got to do, and he said, what's that? I said, don't give up after the first thousand attempts. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Kendall, I can't. Uh, Kendall, did you finish your story? I just yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, great. it's reality for a lot of people. Yeah, 100%. My God, how many thousands of golf balls have we hit? Uh, but I just wanted to ask you, uh, in closing, uh, I, I can't let you go without asking you this. With what you just said, how does the how does the word or the concept of being instinctive, how does that apply to what you were just talking about? And I've had this question about it before, but really the only reason it's called instinctive golf is because I, I have this in my head that learning is an instinct. So that's why we called it instinctive golf, because people have said it's more intuitive than it is instinctive. But that was the reason I chose it. Whether it's technically correct, I don't really care. It's quite a nice name. So. It does. It's, it's very casual. And, and and if you wouldn't mind, sir, before we say goodbye, we're, we are get to we're going to get to Dubai get goodbye in a second. Dubai as well. Um, we'd love to have you back because there's so much on the site that I looked at last night. And Tim's been talking about you for a couple months. And there's this technique that there's this uh, um, I don't even know what you call it. I, I guess a training aid, but you wouldn't call it that. That I think we should explore next time the concept of hitting a nail with a hammer. Uh, and golf ball with a club are really, in essence, the same thing. And I think next time we'd like to talk about that. If if you could come back, and I promise you won't keep canceling you, and hopefully my heart doesn't keep attacking me. I'd love to. And the amazing thing is Amazon have just knocked on my door, so this is meant to be fantastic. I'd love to come back. I'll <laughs> All see you the, in another eight years. No, no, no. We'll, be, we'll get you <laughs> on soon. Uh, there's Kendall McQuaid, instinctivegolfcoaching.co.uk. And uh, we'd love to uh, have you back sooner than later. All right, good, sir, and happy holidays. Yeah, enjoy yourself. Thanks, guys. All right, my friend. Bye-bye. Dear sir, you talk while I let Freddie. Yeah, let the dog in. Yeah. In the room. Yeah, what people didn't see is about two minutes into the uh, Kendall interview, I had to leave. I uh, went upstairs. I'd left the uh, air on. It was making a noise during the recording. Very unprofessional. And by the way, the Freddie that Tim is referring to is his dog, Freddie. Not Freddie. Might be funny if it would be funny if Fred Patterson just showed up at your door. Oh, hang on a second. I got to let Fred in. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say where or who, whom, but I was uh, in a position to overhear a golf lesson recently, and uh, at golf lesson, yeah, I was uh, a lesson was taking place. I'm sorry. What did you think I meant? Just continue on, sir. It's fine. <laughs> I just I, I felt there was some confusion. I think you said you said I was at a well, I was at golf lesson. It just it was interesting diction. Uh, I was at golf lesson. Golf lesson. Yes. Good. <clears throat> um, no, I was in a. I don't want to say where it was or whom it was, but I was in a position to overhear a golf lesson. And it was literally 
polar opposite of everything we just heard from that guy. Well-meaning, you know, people got to make a living. I mean, we've said this a thousand times. If you have, if people had any idea what really was involved with making a change, it's, uh, it would be daunting. It's, it's, it is daunting. It would be, uh, um, anyway, I overheard the lesson and, uh, you know, every once in a while I'd hear the person giving the lesson say something. I'd be like, really? You think that's the problem with this dude? <laughs> like, exactly. like, come on. But you got to say something. I don't, I listen, I'm not chirping the uh, coach I'm just it's like what are you going to say you got an hour of a guy's time you want to give them something they're paying you money mm-hmm. and like Kendall was saying you know for five years the students were like yeah you, if, if you can't solve this problem in this one session or series of lesson, lessons then I'll go find someone who can <laughs> well that's the expectation like in the last couple of years, I've done more of what I might call a range coaching than I've done in the whole eight or so years that I've been coaching. And it's such a typical thing is, you know, we'll have an initial conversation. Someone expresses interest in a golf lesson or series of lessons. And the conversation will go something like, well, what are you looking for? Says, well, number one thing is I want to become more consistent. For sure. Everyone wants to become consistent. But Mm -hmm. then they say, I want you to have a look and tell me what I'm doing wrong. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I just kind of take that in because it'll be that goes completely against my whole belief system, which is in alignment with Kendall's, is that it's it's not about what people are doing wrong because usually what they're they're thinking about is you know how do i make my certain body parts move in the right way to be correct and hit this little white ball what's not happening is people are, are just, they're just not having an experience of how they move how they relate to a target and that sort of innate brilliance they've got how they can put that together with the stick and the ball is Kendall said to make a movement that's going to move that ball out there. Mm -hmm. And that is far more instinctual and natural than most people think, because they have this belief system that uh, if I can hit the ball uh, consistently, uh, solidly, you know, keep it, you know, on the, on the planet, then I'm doing something wrong. Please tell me what it is. Yeah, I mean, you're in an odd position because, you know, your your background in golf instruction comes from Fred Shoemaker. It doesn't come as a PGA-trained uh, golf teacher. And it's almost better in a way if you think about it because you're looking at it from a more holistic kind of extraordinary golf way. And someone might come to you for that reason quiet mind quiet putting all that's great but they still they're still even though they've sought you out they're still like okay that's great tim but can you fix this exactly and and the fact is you know that's not your area of expertise your area of expertise is helping people find their own way and yet as he said it's part of that is to get rid of your 
get rid of their belief system that only somebody else can tell them. Exactly. The, the, my own, without going droning on about it, but my own way of getting into this game was just like, you know, 99% of the people who play this game, you get hooked on it. I became avid. And so I did what I do in other parts of my life. I sought out information, books, and then it was videos and lessons with everybody. Um, and, and always look at working on my golf swing. I, I had it here. I've got this little booklet that goes, this little binder that goes back to 1988. And there's all these lessons and all the notes are something like, <laughs> as Kendall say, keep right knee flex. Oh, I, I love that. that. The right knee flex no, competition. There's no, there's no, I, I, that is so great. There's no competition for keeping your right knee flex, which is too bad. Yeah. Uh, but, but please continue. That was all my, my, that was my complete belief system. And I would go to the first tee thinking, okay, today's the day I let my right elbow fall in front of my hip. If I do this right, do this, do this, do this. And like Kendall, it was like, wait a sec. This is aft. This is, this is Ooh, not working for me. You almost made a swear. I have a product that's, I mean, you and I have talked about this ad infinite and we were both, you know, out on the range, three or four buckets. I have almost got it. You know, if I, if I just do this with my wrist or do this certain thing, then I get to turn over my five iron. Oh, I need another bucket of balls. <laughs> yeah. And on and on and on. Ugh. Well, it's, uh, it was great having him on the show, and it was worth it. I, uh, For people who don't know, we had scheduled him a bunch of times. I guess probably uh, at least two or at least a couple. One was because of my heart at thing, twice. at least once or twice. Anyway, it was great having him on as our last guest, uh, appropriately, of 2022. I uh, mentioned uh, off the top how lucky we are to have a connection at TaylorMade. And I was with, uh, I'm just going to make sure I get his name right, because uh, he was great yesterday. Our friend Nick uh, dropped by. My uh, fitting was yesterday for the uh, new product. Awesome. Um, did you get, the, I'm not sure when, it's, his name is uh, Ryan Moore, actually. Not that Ryan Moore. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Ryan's a great kid. I've uh, been fit with him before. They're Me all great too. there. Karen dropped by. Oh, great. Um, and uh, Nick who's in charge of everything. Did you, here's the thing that was cool. Like, I'm not sure when you've scheduled your uh, fitting. You should do it soon. But the new product, the new TaylorMade line of, uh, like the new stealth comes out, all this stuff isn't until January. It's embargoed until January 10th. Did you have to sign the, I NBA? did. <laughs> I did. And it was cool. Cause I, uh, among all the other cool things about it, like I was telling my buddy Henrik, I said, I could stay there all day. I just love the place. Oh, of course. It's like, it's like what <laughs> it's a place like, to play. Oh, but my I love God. The fact that, I love the fact that they're, you know, the, Nick and those guys are our buddies and friends and all this stuff. But you got to sign an NDA. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're not talking they're about They're not this. messing. Well, they say, no, we, we, there's no. And then Nick dropped by the fitting, as I said. And he said, okay. And he showed me. A, he, I, I was great because he was like a proud papa. He wanted to go through all the irons. And all the different, you know, and it's trying to explain to me because I'm an idiot. Um, you know, why certain clubs, what they've done with them. Yes, I've seen the new stealth driver. 
It's so good. Um, but I signed it because they don't want anyone. Uh, there's been a, he, he told me that there's been some pictures that have leaked. Oh, yeah. I, I always love this this part of the golf season. All the, the golf gear sites, all the, the what are one of the kids on the golf team is called gearboxes. You know, the people who care about, um, oh, you know, flex and tipping. Oh, yeah, man. All that stuff. So I did not get new irons. Um, my 790s are from last year, and the new 790s won't be out until uh, later in the season. And I thought, no, I don't need them. Uh, I like mine. And I was sort of thinking of doing a little hybrid thing with the 770s and the shorter irons. A couple people said uh, maybe explore that, but I didn't. But I got a new uh, stealth driver and, uh, you know, wedges and such. But, uh, you know, I don't want to talk about, I, I, I want to talk about numbers in a second, but as much as I can tell you about the new stealth driver, it's fantastic. And, and the, it, it's, some of the things have changed about it that you will see in January. I'll give you a little hint. The finish is different. Oh, but yeah. man, like, you know, I've done a lot of work on my, uh, you know, we've been with them for as long as we've done this show. Pretty much. I, I'm, I'm give or take a season or two. You know, like that's a lot of time being around these guys. And so what's I'm going to share with you now is they have kept track. They keep track of all the numbers, you know, going back to when we started. So I just went back to 2018. I was 58 years old. And since 2018... You know, I've done a lot of work. Uh, I've done the speed sticks. You know, I've lost some weight. Uh, you know, I'm not in Tim O'Connor shape, but I'm in. You were with Bamalam. <laughs> I do my work with Brooke Benny, Bamalam. <laughs> By the way, just to put a quick, I'm just to pause this story for a second. I'm talking to O'Connor the other day, and you're telling Tim is telling me his uh, push-up routine. This is a true story. So I was saying to Tim, Timmy was telling me. You were telling me how many push-ups you do a day. And I was just like, this is crazy because Tim's in great shape. Like, I'm in good shape versus most fat guys our age, you know. But you're in great shape. And so just tell everyone what you're... Just go ahead because I have a reason for putting you on the spot like this. This will make you laugh. <laughs> well, um, a couple of years ago, I read a book called... I think it was Atomic Habits. And it just said, if you want to make changes, make them small and just do them, like commit to them. So I committed that every morning when I would come into my office, I would do a set of push-ups. And when I came back in the afternoon, I would do another set of push-ups. And so I started, I think, at 30, uh, one set of 30. And now I do two sets of 50 push-ups every day. Okay. Just pause so, for a second. Okay. Everyone, he's, and, and you know what? One thing you know about O'Connor. He's not bullshitting. He does two sets of 50 push-ups every day, Monday through Friday or every day? Uh, Monday through Friday. Okay. I take weekends off. All right. <laughs> so Tim's telling me this story we're talking last week, and I'm thinking, you know what? I should start doing something like that. <laughs> so here's what I did. I thought, okay, I'll start small. I did one set of 10 in the morning when I'm making my coffee before the Humble and Fred show. I did one set of 10 at night when I bring Stan in. And then I couldn't raise my arms for a couple of days. 
<laughs> fucking arms. My arms are so sore. I said to Brooke Benny at Bama Lamb yesterday, I said, my rotator cuff is killing me. Thanks to O'Connor. <laughs> like, I, w- I honestly, Tim, I know this is going to make, I'm so dumb. Because I thought, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm inspired. Tim has inspired me. And I did 20 <laughs> over the course of a full day. And I couldn't, my arm was hurting me for a couple of days. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so what I would just add to that is that this is this is like I'm into like my third year. Of yes, it's, so that's what like Kendall was saying, thousands, and, and it's yeah. all just incremental reps. So <laughs> I thought you were yeah. going to say like a disclaimer, like um, do push-ups on the advice of your physician. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what I was getting at is so back to the fitting, which was amazing. I got a driver three wood. I got a hybrid, uh, all three wedges replaced, and I got the new Spider. Um, but I was talking to Ryan. I said, because I've been doing a lot of work this fall. I'm not at work. I've been playing a lot of golf. And then when I came back from Mexico prematurely, I knew this fitting was coming. And I've been going to Casey's place. Shout out to Burl Oak Indoor Golf. Great place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A couple times a week because I wanted to keep my speed up so that when I did the fitting, I would be at some semblance of golf swing you know efficiency so i was cruising it pretty good i've been hitting a lot of uh my my you know i've hit a lot of balls at 105 miles an hour i've had a lot of ball speeds in the 155s and i've had some carries in the 255 to 260 range and similarly yesterday i won't get into the numbers about the whether they're the new stealth let's just tell you it's it's amazing and I said to Ryan as we were finished, I'm Ryan, let's, how far does this go back? And he said, well, each fitting bay at TaylorMade just keeps track of that fitting bay. So I didn't have every number, but what I did have is the numbers from that fitting bay in 2018. In 2018, I was 58 years old, and I was, you can see all my driver swings that day. And That's only a couple were in the hunt. I was like 105, 100.5. A couple I killed at 101.5. So the point of this is, with the help, if people don't think technology matters, in five years later, I'm cruising at five miles an hour at times faster than I was when I was 58 years old. So you can get faster, stronger. I mean, I'm not doing 50 times two push-ups a day, but... You can keep your speed up as you age. It's it's a myth that you can't. Because I was like, even my five arm, which they had a couple of my five arms, you know, they're all three and four miles an hour faster. And again, part of that is technique and part of that is technology. Yeah, 100%. That is so cool. And that's so indicative of in essence, the tailor-made experience when you go there, that it's such a cool experience. I think for, you know, golfers, if you're looking to have a really deep, rich, super cool golf experience, go get fit. Oh, yeah. TaylorMade. It is, it is absolutely amazing. Um, the, the technology, the service. Yeah. I, I wish they would just call me Tim, but <laughs> Mr. O'Connor, but anyways, uh, that speaks to their uh, professionalism. But just the fact what you're talking about, the fact that they can go back into the database and show you this stuff, mm-hmm. that is cool in itself. But again, it also speaks to the the technology that a man whose next birthday is going to be 63. Yes, sir. 
is swinging them at you know 105 swing speed that is pretty effing cool you know and to be fair i'm this close to baby jesus birthday um allegedly uh i gotta be good (laughs) yeah that's you know and and that's by the way to be fair that's not my golf course that's not that's what you know i was talking to my friend graham mcdougall who bought the uh speed sticks again we're so lucky here our buddy uh ryan robillard robillard yeah yeah um you know hooked him up because he's a friend of the show but i you know i've been talking to grant a lot about the speed stick experience like i increased my club head speed because i worked at it and those speed sticks were a huge help they really are but that's you know that's you know my i always say this like i love simulators i love going to burlow grandor golf but that's not the speed i swing a golf club on the golf course where i am on the golf course is in the early 101s and twos but the idea of speed training is so that you get your baseline just to get up. Mm-hmm. I can swing it faster than I was swinging yesterday, but I can't hit the golf ball with any regularity at that speed. Right. But the idea of training your speed is to is so that you move. So you, actually, I've saying this to Grant. So you get comfortable. It sort of sneaks up on you. All of a sudden, you're more comfortable at a higher speed. You know, you can, and he's got a really good golf swing, as do you. You, you know, you can smooth your way all you want, but you, you watch guys that hit it with power. Oh, yeah. They're hitting, they're swinging pretty quickly. <laughs> they're, meaning their, their whole thing is very quickly. It just doesn't, like Rory's swing is very fast. It just doesn't look very, it doesn't, it looks smooth because his technique is so good, but he's swinging it. And did you watch any of that match? Did you tune into any of that? No, I didn't. That's not your thing, I know. It's pretty interesting. Was that in the evening? Yeah, it was like a nighttime thing. Yeah, it competed with. Uh, I'm just, I think probably like Freddie P right now, head over heels in love with the Leafs right now. Yeah, Fred never watches a game. He can't stand them anymore. What? Yeah, he's well, Fred. If you listen to the Humble and Fred show, he has embargoed the Leafs until they get past the first round. Although he did mention on the show the last couple of weeks that they're having a nice season. But they've been having, but they've been having a nice season. They've been great in the regular season for a couple of years. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I feel like right now, like I just don't pay attention to, um, to that kind of golf very much. I just don't. Yeah, it's um, not everyone. I'm going to watch some of. Uh, well, if I, I hope I can, we're going to. I'm going to be in Alberta at my sister's place, uh, where it's probably going to be about minus. 30. Yes. So I might have an excuse to watch TV. I want to watch Tiger and Charlie. That's always cool. But um, no, those match things, they leave me cold. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Like, I was, uh, I was just interested. My security system. Okay, I was just interested in it because of, uh, you know, just hearing them talk their way through shots. I mean, it was, it's all a little bit hokey. But, you know, it's Tiger and Justin Thomas and Rory and just uh, Jordan Spieth. It was interesting. Golf wasn't very good, but a couple of times, Spieth especially, because he's such a talker. Oh, God. He, he, him talking his way through how he hits a bunker shot, this particular shot he had, it was worth the price. It was worth the whole couple hours. That and Charles Barkley. At one point, somebody chirped Tiger. And I think it was the one of the lead announcer. He said, oh, don't worry, Tiger. You get a stroke on this hole. It was great. It was just great. <laughs> So don't know. Yeah, don't worry, Tiger. You stroke on this hole, and Tiger just looked at him like, "Oh, that was a good. That was a good chirp." But uh, <laughs> Spieth talking about how he hits this certain kind of bunker shot, and I was like, "Wow, they just definitely." 
There's just so much in there that they just know. And it goes back to what Kendall. Jordan knows that because he's been doing it since he was a three-year-old. You know, he, he, he got good because of what Kendall said. He, he absorbed the experience. They all did. Yeah, I mean, some, yeah. But there's also something to be said for, I don't know, uh, watching a really good player hit bunker shots. It, it just seems to be something where, even opposed to watching a drive, maybe because the swing's a little bit slower in mm-hmm. a bunker, at least in spots, that it just, the, just the magic, the, the skill it takes, and, and the fineness of, of the way the, the club enters the sand at the exact location and the, and the way it kind of shallows out underneath it. I don't know. I could just watch a really good player hit bunker shots for a long time. <laughs> You know, I, I knew that uh, they were doing things differently than I was. And I, this goes back years ago, and Freddie Couples was hitting a bunker shot. And at one point, he took one of his hands off the club. <laughs> I was like, what just happened? Like, that's how loose. Like, he, he hit it, and then one of, and then maybe his right hand came off after impact. I was like, maybe I should loosen my grip a little bit, <laughs> you know. But anyway, yeah, I know it's not your thing, and uh, you'd be surprised how... Uh, I was bugging Freddie a little bit, not your dog, Freddie Patterson. I was bugging him last week as he was talking about the Leaf game. I said, hey, hey, I thought you weren't watching any Leaf games until uh, the spring. I'll tell you what we're both watching, though, is the Buffalo Bills. Uh-huh. Sunday afternoon, this freaked him out, freaked Freddie P out, because I was talking about it on Monday. I watched the Buffalo Bills game and taped the golf. And he's like, what? Whoa, I didn't know that you even, like, Oh, yeah, I love the Bills. I mean, I used to watch them a lot when Flutie was there. Oh, my God. But I've lived here. How far is that going back? That's back. Did they have TV then? Yeah, they did. Funny man. I also remember uh, Ron Lancaster. Just relax. Ron Lancaster for the uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Yeah. So I was interested in the Bills then, and then I sort of lost interest until this Josh Allen kid came along a couple years ago. She's amazing. But... uh, yeah, I've, uh, it was weird. I was uh, got all excited to watch the Bills play on uh, on Sunday, and then later I watched the uh, two man uh, whatever that thing was called, the QB shootout. Yeah, QB. Yeah, because I will watch golf every weekend that it's on. Yeah. Um, well, you have funny, a life, you know. You know? Like I've been, <laughs> I live going a, into our I live alone with a dog. Podcast, and I'm still learning things about you. I remember it was a it was a, six seven weeks ago. I actually didn't know that, you know, on the seventh day, you didn't rest, that you had a golf club in your hand every day, every day. And now I just learned that you don't just watch NFL, but you love the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. I didn't think you gave a dang about. Oh, Tim. That type Sweet of Timmy. Yeah, you did know that I have a golf club in my hand every day. I've told you that since we've known each other. I mean, if it, I like, didn't know it was every day, every honestly. day last week before it got really cold, like last Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday into Thursday, uh, I went out to the you know stand park and hit uh, probably 30 or 40, uh, 58 degree wedges. Um, like on days I don't like I have, have a, an actual shag bag type of thing. Oh, yeah, <laughs> dude. Here's how here's how committed I am. There's a uh, cause these people there in this neighborhood have been seeing me with this dog now for six years. So they do this for me. There's the people that walk around the park and the people that live near it are so familiar with Stan and I 
that when they find the balls that I lose, they leave them in this there, you know, like a cinder block. I go to, they all leave them in this one place for me. It's really it's very sweet. So I don't even have to take balls with me. There's about 10 of them at any given time that people have left for me. Can, can I inquire? Do you, do you just take them in your like in the, the pocket of your parka? Yeah. Or do you have like an old bowling <laughs> no. bag? Or, no. Or I do you have like or do you have like the modern technology where it has like sort of the long the tube thing and the nylon no. sort of holder and you went. Doop, 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 you know, what? I never take really more than six or seven balls at a time and then I lose them and then I go back to the cinder block to see if there's anyone's <laughs> dropped them off for me. I know it's listen, dude. I don't really have you ever much. You get nice notes from little ladies or maybe even a single woman who goes, "Hey, well, I think I think, number I think a, her phone number is written on a golf ball in a sharpie or something." It would be great. I, I think leaving golf for me, golf balls for me, is a nice note. <laughs> but I have nothing else going on, Tim. I do this show. I do the other show. I make chicken thighs for dinner. Uh, listen, man, I got to wrap it up. Um, <laughs> Uh, what do you got going on? You're going to Canmore for uh, the uh, Christmas. Yes. Uh, Canmore, yes, Alberta. Gonna, yeah, my sister Kathleen and her husband, Lauren, they live in lovely Canmore, Alberta. A couple of my uh, my sister's daughters will be there. Uh, Corey, our, our, our eldest, who lives in British Columbia, will hop, skip, and a jump to Canmore. So it'll be great. My other son, Sean's coming with us. So it'll be a lovely family festive Christmas. Isn't that sweet? Uh, time. How, so you're going to go, uh, tomorrow's the the 15th when uh, we're recording this on the Wednesday, obviously. Yep. And uh, when do you uh, feel you'll return? Well, I know we'll return on the 22nd. And so I oh, think Oh, you won't that, spend uh, Christmas there. No, no, it's just going to be early. Oh, I see. Early, that works. And then, because uh, we have other fam, I've got, um, there's uh, five siblings in the O'Connor clan. Wow. And uh, my brother, Sean, and my brother, Pat. My brother, Sean, will be coming from Vancouver to stay here, visit my mom. And my brother, Pat, and his wife are in London. So we'll do the whole Christmas thing. Fantastic. And, man. you know. Well, I wish you, you. What are your plans? I was going to say, I wish you and your family all the best for the christmas and the the new year and i guess we would probably um reconvene somewhere we'll figure it out you know uh swing thought kids uh somewhere i'm gonna do just i'm gonna get i'm gonna get to it okay god i'm just we got a couple more minutes relax um but we'll do a new show somewhere in early january and the real season will start again of course in april if you're new uh my girls are coming over uh, ex-wife's coming over. Um, I think my ex-wife, because she has given me, go- tried to give me golf presents for as long as I've known her. <laughs> like, long before there was the internet and people would do jokey-jokey posts of stuff people had tried to give them, like stupid golf. My ex-wife once gave me the putting green that you use while you're sitting on the toilet. <laughs> you ever seen that? Yeah, you ever seen where it's like a little putter? Yeah, that that is the that is the like among the cheesiest. Oh my god, gifts ever! Like, yeah, I, and so I got a bunch of those from her until I finally said, you know, don't do that anymore. I don't need that stuff. Uh, like jokey golf stuff. But she sent me a thing the other day, and it was uh, something she'd seen on Instagram, and it was that 
mat that has a, it's a really good golf gadget where you, you swing on it indoors and it shows you if you've hit it solid or you've thinned it. I think most people listening maybe have an idea what I'm talking about, but it's actually a thing I would want. And she said, is this ridiculous? I said, actually, no. <laughs> so I think I'm getting that as a uh, golf gift this year. No, my uh, Sandy um, never been one to give me golf presents, although she gave me uh, very early in our uh, our relationship. She gave me a sand wedge. And Aww. so... Uh, I went back to work where I was working at the Canadian press at the time. And, and you know, we're sitting around and someone said, so Tim, what, what'd you get for Christmas? I said, well, Sandy gave me a sandwich. And she goes, your wife gave you a sandwich. <laughs> That's great. Was it ham on rye or something? No, no it was a sand wedge, uh, a golf club. That's a pretty good gift from, uh, Tim's wife, Sandy. Yeah, like I, I uh, way early. Yeah. Now she wouldn't know my specs or. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Life. How many reps? You gave me a sandwich. How many? This has only got one wrap. You know, I'm a, a two wrap guy with a little extra at the bottom. How dare you? Yeah, and I like the little bits of cloth in the grip. You know, that yeah, yeah. hang on to it a bit. Yeah, I um, I asked because it's you know because I wasn't getting irons yesterday. I was talking to Nick. I said, "What? So in my allowance, can I have?" <laughs> So uh, the last thing I'll tell you is they have set up this first time I've got a new putter in a long time, probably four years. Speaking of you reminded me because my grip on my putter is like I have tape on the end of it like a hockey team. <laughs> I've got stupid tape on it. So I see Karen there and I was getting I went to the, the, the putting area they have and they have putt view now. Have you ever seen this in action? Um, may have, but remind me, please. So I've never, I've seen it online, but I've never seen it in person. It's basically a projection onto the floor of the, of the putting path of a putt. So you can practice the break. Like you see a lot of the big time pros have them. Poulter has one. Go check out his Instagram and they're very expensive and you know, they're really good in helping teach you how break works because it sort of looks like a funnel that goes to the hole. This is about a 30 foot putt. And so the low line is when is for what, you know, hitting the putt harder to the hole. Mm -hmm. And then the high line is when you for die speed. And then anything in the middle is somewhere, you know, in between. So while I was trying out putters, I was playing around with this thing. And I'll be honest with you. I know a lot of guys, you know, they their dream is to put a simulator into their house. But if I had real money, this is what I would do, because I practiced with it with the new putter. We were changing the weight a little bit, but I spent about 20 minutes on it. And it just gives your eye the training of of what what that speed needs to be for different break. That's really cool. And that's why I said to Nick at the end, just give me a key. I'll turn off the lights. You know, <laughs> I'll just stay here. Like they're all bugging me. Like, OK, I, I, I said I could. I could just between the simulator and the putt view. Give uh, me a Howard, I got to go. Um, I got to pick up my kid at daycare. <laughs> exactly. Just give me a sandwich. Anyway, uh, that's our show. Thanks to uh, Kendall. Instinctive Golf is uh, where you go. Tim O'Connor can be had, if you follow him as I do, at O'ConnorGolf.ca. And uh, the Humble and Fred show, uh, our last uh, new show will be uh, December 22nd, and uh, we're back in the first week of January. Tim and I will uh, see you guys somewhere in the first couple weeks of the year. I will tell you sincerely, it's a... A blessing and a pleasure to do this show with you. 
I'm grateful that you put up with all my nonsense. Well, right back at you, sir. Yeah, it's been uh, been a great ride, and yeah, I've always said you were uh, the most patient man. I well, one of the most patient men, and <laughs> uh, in, in helping me uh, learn broadcasting skills from a legend such as yourself. So I appreciate yeah, it's that. Great, it's it's a blessing to do this show to be your friend, and uh, yeah, a lot of good stuff to feel grat- gratitude about. Exactly, uh, and to everyone, our uh, swing thoughts uh, devotees, so USTDs, wishing you and your families good health and uh, a happiest of uh, New Year's again, and we'll see you. In 2023. As always, lovely holidays, everyone. Brought to you by TaylorMade Golf. Sound of the river, you're stopping your hole. Everything 